we can get started. So, hey, everybody, uh, welcome to another episode of the Tamil Innovators Spotlight. This is a segment created by TamilCulture.com, where we interview people from the global Tamil community who are building really interesting projects, initiatives, and um, products or services. So my name is Janushika, and I am your host for today. And I'm really excited to introduce you to our special guest, Nevada Balendra. So Nevada, thank you so much for coming today. Big warm welcome onto the show. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Yeah, no problem. Um, so just a little bit about Nevada. Nevada's story is just so interesting. I was telling her earlier that I'm just um, so in awe of her story because it started at such an incredibly young age. So just for the audience, um, I'll walk you a little bit through Nevada's story. And it actually began at the age of 17, where she began to research and get really interested in oil degrading bacteria. So from there, she actually started going from looking at research to conducting her own research. And it literally began in her own backyard. Um, she got some soil samples and also went to the St. Lawrence River. And she was actually able to discover a very new type or strain of bacteria that's able to degrade oil in an eco-friendly way. So this was just... Um, a huge like revelation. Um, and because of this, she was actually able to get the bacteria named after her. Now, due to her research or because of her research efforts, she was awarded the inaugural World Economic Forum Prize at the Intel International Science and Tech Fair, where she was one of the youngest recipients to be invited to the, the event, which is just incredible. Um, in addition to this, she's been recipient to numerous, numerous awards, which are including but limited to um, Canada's top 20 under 20 by Plan Canada, as well as Corporate Knights top 30 under 30. And um, kind of like aside from the business and entrepreneurial aspect of her life, Nevada is also a cancer survivor. And um, the experience, this experience for her kind of introduced her to the significance and importance of non-toxic sustainable ingredients, which kind of embarked her on this personal mission to make sustainable ingredients more possible and more accessible. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like her rap sheet, but um, I'm going to pass the mic to Nevada and kind of ask her, um, can you kind of tell the audience what a little bit about yourself and your family and your upbringing? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, so uh, a bit about my upbringing background from where I was from, right? So I'm born yeah. in... Yeah, I'm born in Montreal, Quebec, um, Sri Lankan Tamil. Obviously, I, I was born here in Canada, uh, but my parents are from Sri Lanka. And I mean, a typical day in our household growing up was for me really just tinkering around with different things. I was just someone as a kid who was really curious, and I had parents who encouraged that fully. I mean, um, they never really boxed me into something specific, and they would see that I, if mm. I was 
interested in something particular, they would, you know, encourage me to go for it. And I think especially as I grew older, they saw that I was really passionate about sciences and research. And, uh, you know, and when I was a kid, I would present certain topics to my family at the dinner table. And, you know, that, that was just sort of the childhood that I had. And they, they were always, you know, sitting down after dinner and listening to that. So growing up in that type of uh, environment really, yeah. I guess, uh, encouraged me to uh, follow the type of aspirations that I wanted to have. And my mom especially was someone who was, uh, you know, completely devoted to community service. Uh, so she mm-hmm. worked at the South Asian Women's Community Center, and um, she always instilled in my brother and myself uh, the importance of helping society. You know, no matter what, what it is that you do, you have to help society. And so naturally for me, because I, I love sciences, that was sort of the the outlet that I use. And I thought, you know, well, there's so much um, that can be solved using science. And I guess I took that with me wherever I went. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard your story, I was like, man, I don't know what your parents did, but they must have done something right. Definitely. Um, So you mentioned that you're always interested in the sciences. So um, what I think is really remarkable about your story is really that uh, it started so young and um, you you kind of mentioned like it was always from an early age. So um, story I know is like it started at 17 for me like a lot of 17 year olds are not you know conducting their own research and like really trying to solve big world issues so I really want to know um can you walk me through kind of like your 17 year old self and um what about this issue really inspired you to um you know take it further take it to the next step and conduct your own research yeah absolutely well for me, I think that really started with high school. Uh, I, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, was someone who was interested in different things, lots of different things, but um, I was always experimenting, I guess, with uh, different projects, different ideas, and I had a family who really encouraged that. Um, for, for me personally, in high school was when I started science fairs. It was also mandatory in school to some level, but at the grade eight. um, It was only mandatory later on, but I I guess I and a couple of friends started doing science fairs early on starting in grade eight. And through that, I thought it was just really cool that we can, as a kid, have real life lab experience. And I didn't know if I liked it or not. I never, you know, stepped foot into a lab, but I thought, you know, why not take this as an opportunity to learn more about different fields? So I guess science fair is really what was a catalyst for me, uh, provided me with this outlet to um, explore this curious nature of mine and implement it into focusing on real life problems. So as I grew every year, I just focused on that. And in SEJA, um, so uh, pre-university, I guess it would be equivalent to uh, grade 12 and 13 outside of Quebec. Um, that was when I did my last science fair project, which was focused on these oil degrading bacteria and their capacity in um, remediating oil contamination. And that really sprouted from a train crash that happened in 2013 in Quebec. There was actually okay. a 
spill, yeah, that happened in a rural town called Lake Megonsik. And over 5 million gallons of oil were spilled. And it's one thing to hear about oil spills, you know, uh, across across from you, somewhere around the world. But when it happens within reach, it kind of puts environmental problems, especially into context, because it, it really is a global issue. And I think learning more about that is when I thought, oh, well, why don't I couple, you know, environmental microbiology, which I learned in a previous internship the, the previous year, and uh, how these microbes produce soapy compounds and see whether that can be implemented in a sustainable solution for oil spills. And so that's really how it started evolving and um, eventually turned into dispersa that it is today. That's incredible. So, so this was actually uh, from a science fair project. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Um, so I guess I'm curious, like, how did you even know what to do, like what the process was? Because I understand like reading about um, the research is different from actually trying to take it into your own hands and do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, because I started science fairs in grade eight, um, since then I did sort of different topics. I believe the in grade 9, 10, 11-ish, I was focused more on projects involving microbiology and immunology, and I started gaining more lab experience that way. And of course, I didn't know what I was doing at first. I There, there were mentors, and um, they were PhD students or PhD grads who would welcome um, students into their lab. And so uh, I had a specific project. Uh, we applied through this uh, platform, you know, emailing the students and then um, they matched us and then we had this opportunity to work in their labs and learn cool, cool lab techniques. And I thought, you know what, you know, this is pretty cool. Like I like it, but I'm still a kid and I'm still figuring out what I like and what I don't like. Um, and I guess as I grew older, that really stuck with me. And it was something that I realized I was uh, passionate about, which was research more specifically using research for purposeful things and that things that can help society. So in Seja, things were a bit different uh, because we were in a different age group. I had to reach out directly to professors to ask if they would be willing to have me in their lab. So um, I basically prepared a project plan um, saying what it is that mm -hmm. I want to achieve, which was using environmental microbiology. I, I spoke more about uh, details about uh, biosurfactants, which is a type of soapy compound that can be used to degrade oil uh, particles. And I highlighted, you know, like a whole, a whole experimental plan, you know, hypothesis, objectives, materials, etc. And I sent it to about 60 professors across Quebec who are specialized in this field of microbiology. And I said, you know, I have a science project coming up. I would really appreciate the chance to work in your lab for this amount of time to execute this project under the guidance of you or your student. And um, obviously there's a lot of professors who are super supportive of this type of venture, but not everyone has the resources mm -hmm. for it either. So I did get a lot of no's, um, but I got one yes. <laughs> so that was enough for me. I got one yes from a professor in Laval who said, you know, definitely up, up his alley and aligned with what he works on. And so 
he welcomed me in his lab and I started working there. And um, what I really appreciated was the amount of autonomy and independence he gave me. He treated me like his own student. And mind you, there were only uh, master's or PhD students there. So I learned a lot from them. And they were there as mentors, you know, both shadowing. Um, and I would be able to ask questions and really learn from them. And that's really the, the most amount of learning that I did was really hands-on and learning from others. So that's basically how the project evolved. And that professor who allowed me into his lab, his name is uh, Eric Desiel, and he is currently still with me in this adventure at Dispersa. So I continued that mentorship and he's, he's played a really big role in um, my uh, career trajectory. Wow. Okay. So um, that's really interesting. So you say you said that you had or you sent out approximately sixty applications, and only one of them was accepted. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot of. Uh, I mean, a lot of professors were super encouraging. I mean, they they would they, they yeah. would students, but not everyone has the resources or the authority to have you know, um, underage at that time, I was 17. So um, having yeah. those under 18 in their lives, so there's a lot of restrictions, but I got one yes. Uh, so that was really all that I needed in order to execute the project. That's all you need. Um, did you, how did you handle like kind of the rejection? Like, did it get you discouraged or like, how'd you kind of overcome that? Yeah, I guess I was, looking back 17 is a long time ago I'm thinking back I think for me it was I was focused on getting the one yes um, I knew before going in that there would be many rejections and that this was a far shot but I prepared myself for that and I think personally I didn't really care about all the no's because I just kept I knew that I sent out emails so every time there was a no I just you know strike that and said okay well there's 59 more, you know, and I just kept going through that list. And until there, I mean, I was concerned, you know, what if no one says yes, then I wouldn't be able to conduct this project because I do need a lab to do that. But yeah, I was hopeful and I, I, I kept working through that list. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious, like you've, you have a huge life accomplishment. I mean, you've accomplished a lot more than many people in a lifetime at a really young age, right? And one of those achievements is um, discovering a new strain of bacteria and having it named after you. So can you kind of walk me through the feeling or the moment where you realized that you made a discovery and what that experience or emotion was like? Yeah, it's really sweet of you. Uh, definitely not. I, I have many more years ahead and uh, many more things to learn. But yeah, I guess the experience of the research that was part of the Science Group project, uh, what it started off was, was the purpose was not to find microbes. It was not to find a novel strain or the, the real purpose was how could we use these tiny microbes that we can't even see with our eyes they produce these soapy compounds, which I thought was insane. I'm like, how is this thing that we don't see producing 
things externally that we can use in real life it just it blew my mind because I can't even see it with my eyes when it's producing it I need to put it under a microscope or I need to actually um, uh, produce it in, in a batch and so that's really what motivated me to go that that, that stream and the objective of that project was really to identify local strains in Quebec in, in Montreal specifically um, mm -hmm. that can produce this molecule that I called um, th that I mentioned biosurfactants. So I basically went, like you said, to my backyard. <laughs> this is the easiest per, um, easiest place to uh, get soil, right? And these microbes are found in soil culture. So I went to my backyard, got some soil samples, went near the St. Lawrence River, got a few other samples. And then I basically came into the lab with bags of soil and then creating different uh, dilutions and basically investigating the various microbial cultures that are in those soil samples. And as I was doing that, I, I found what I was looking for, which was different types of microbes producing that compound that I mentioned. But I brought in my mentor, um, Eric Desiel, and uh, he took a look at the strains and he said, can you do like this specific test basically? And so I, I did that test and I showed him the results and he said, you know what, that's actually really interesting. We haven't seen something like that before. And clearly for me, I'm still learning. So I, uh, learned a lot from from him who was the expert in this field and so we decided that it would be worthwhile to look into the genetic code of these microbes which we did through a partnership with McGill and then through that we saw that there was actually a lot of differences in this particular uh, bacteria than um, the other ones that I was aiming for and that's really what uh, ended up in that type of discovery and it was not at all what I was expecting from the start and not the purpose either after the project, but it was still a cool thing. Okay, so it was like an accidental kind of discovery? Yeah, exactly. It was It was not purposeful at all. Uh, really, the, the main point was I wanted to find strains that were producing this compound, and it so happened that uh, one of the strains that were producing it that I isolated from the soil samples were presenting with novel properties um, that we normally don't expect of these types of microbes. And so that really not only intrigued me, but I think what intrigued me the most was my mentor, the professor who has been in this field for years was super intrigued by it. So generally when your mentor is intrigued by something, when you're also really excited about it. So I think that's really what um, inspired me to continue the research too, was seeing that there was a lot of potential in this type of research. And that's what I continue mm -hmm. to yeah um that must have been like a really proud moment for yourself and and your family and um it kind of makes me wonder like who did you have on your support team uh who were kind of like your mentors and the people that were supporting you like at this stage of your journey definitely for sure hands down my family has always been there backing me up and uh, like I mentioned my mentor uh, the, the professor, uh, they, and, and of course the student, the PhD students, I had two in particular that were uh, basically supervising or, or being present um, at the early stages. And then near the end, um, 
really handed me that autonomy. And I think um, being handed that responsibility at an early age made me feel autonomous and trusted and kind of a vote of confidence, like, yeah, I, I can do it too. And I think that's really what um, motivated me to learn more. So, I mean, all in all, I had support from my personal side, but also on the professional side. And I think having that mixed together really helped me thrive in the direction that I wanted to go uh, personally. Uh, and, you know, I, I really can't thank my family enough, uh, particularly my parents. My dad was the one as I was a kid driving me back and forth to the labs. And this was like a 40 minute drive from Montreal back and forth. So it was like two hours almost, but he was, oh, wow. he was just like really, really committed. So, you know, after work, he would, um, he would say, you know, some of your lab schedule, I'm going to bring you there and I'm going to bring you back. And, you know, you have to do this It's for school. And also he saw that it was something I was really interested in. So he was naturally interested in that as well. And so he brought me everywhere. And similarly, my mom was always there as a moral support, um, as well as, um, you know, if I wanted to present something and I wanted to show her my results, she would sit patiently and learn more about my research. And that level of um, genuine interest and encouragement is what was really the most uh, important piece of my childhood growing up. Yeah, um, I think I actually, I saw you in a TED talk where you're talking about your dad and how the both of you would actually dig up soil together at the St. <laughs> Lawrence River. Yeah, exactly. So my dad, if I can say, he's been kind of a sidekick in this entire journey, um, indirectly, and my mom as well. Uh, and my, my dad was the one driving us mostly. So he was uh, the one more directly involved with you know, bring me to the lab or going to pick up samples. And so, yeah, that was at the St. Lawrence River. So he, he came with me and, um, you know, I, I told him, like, this is the area that we need to look at for soil. We had our, our shovels and, you know, we started digging and collecting those soil samples. So he, they were both really always there for me. That's fantastic. Um, do your parents come from like a science background or like, did you have any anyone else that like kind of inspired you to like uh, enter like the science field do you have any siblings too yeah I have an older brother so um looking at it from my parents uh, background uh, so my mom comes from a completely non-science background she um and my dad when they immigrate over here um she went straight into community service and so um her while she she wished to have become a scientist, uh, in, in, you know, if um, if the situation had permitted, that would have um, been what she would have pursued. But for her, it was community service is really at the heart of it, and you know, helping people. So she found her her nest, if you will, within the South Asian Women's Community Center. 
for my dad, he does have an architectural background. And so he uh, finished his architecture degree, came here and then uh, worked as an architect, but then transitioned into real estate. So while not exactly the type of science background, still um, somewhat of an engineer at heart. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. mindset from both of them, despite that and despite it not being a field that they were particularly knowledgeable on, they knew that their daughter was really interested in it. And I think that that's really what motivated them, even if they didn't understand everything, to still provide me with the opportunities that I needed to grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so what I want to kind of ask you about next is, okay, so you discovered this new strain of bacteria. And then because of that, you got invited uh, to the Intel International Science Tech Fair, where you were awarded um, that award that I mentioned earlier. So um, can you kind of let me know like what that experience was like? I, I know that the event was in China, so it was kind of like a really far away from home for you. And um, just kind of walk me through your experience and um, your emotions kind of going through. Yeah, for sure. I guess it was a bit of a a nerd goal of mine to get into the intel from a long time because I was doing science fairs every year too and uh, the final year I had the opportunity to go and that was in Cali it was really nice and I think the most rewarding part was seeing other students so these are students from all over the world basically so basically every country you can imagine just congregated in this one place and we're all there because we have different science for projects and we're there sharing our results and we're we're sharing our passion for science and you know that how that experience was is and and what the fair was is a competition and it's a competition where you know students that are selected from their respective countries go and they they present it's it's sort of like the olympics of pre-university science, if you will, uh, which was really cool because you get to see different types of research and learn about um, different topics, but also make lifelong uh, bonds and and friendships. And so I'm still in touch with some uh, friends that I made through Science Fair to this day as well. And uh, from Science Fair, what I I got the opportunity of uh, experiencing was going to China through the World Economic Forum. And that was a really, really nice experience. I think just visiting China on its own for me (laughs) at that age, I was super excited about that. I um, went with my dad, actually. Um, So I think for them, they're, you know, okay, I don't know if we want to send you all the way across the world, (laughs) especially because you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know the, the culture, I don't know the language, and um, there would be a significant amount of time that we would have to spend alone in China. So my dad came with me and we did make a trip out of it. So that was nice. I think we had the forum, which was, which was incredible. Um, I think uh, myself and three others were selected from the fair to go and so all four of us formed this type of group and we were at the forum we attended many different workshops and presentations and these are you know world leaders from different countries I mean there were 
political leaders there, there were industry experts there. Um, they all congregate at the World Economic Forum on a yearly basis to tackle the most pressing issues around the globe. And to know that I was in their presence was just really humbling and, and a real great honor. Uh, it also provided me with the opportunity to share my research, to get feedback on you know, different ways of growing that. And coming out of that experience is what was a catalyst, I would say for me to say, you know what, I think that the industry uh, experts that I spoke with at this conference, especially were encouraging me to transform this into a real life solution and um, motivated me into knowing that there can be a real application out of the science or project. And so I took that with me back home and started continuing working on that. So like what's really interesting to me is that you accomplished so much so young and like I'm wondering when you went to this fair where there there were so many prominent individuals talking about important world issues did you ever struggle with um like imposter syndrome like did you ever feel that kind of um the strain of that at all yeah I mean imposter syndrome is one of those things that just it, it comes right and it, it's it's inevitable I I do feel that it is something that comes in phases, especially as we're trying new things. Um, and, and I think that that's what I've come to learn right now. Definitely when I went to science fair, I think um, not only it being my first time, I'm surrounded by so many other kids, but I think what overshadowed all of that um, nervousness maybe was the fact that like, it's just so exciting. And I was more focused on that and the, the like how fun the actual trip was and being there. I mean, we didn't only do the fair, we went and we explored Cali, we did a bunch of other things. And so I'm, uh, I'm someone who loves traveling as a result. And I think that really was um, encouraged through the various traveling that I had to do at science fair. But um, imposter syndrome is real. And I think that it can come at many different phases as a kid, as we are now, um, as we're older. Um, and what I've come to realize, and of course, like this is just purely my own uh, views and, and opinion, is it it comes as we're taking risks, right? Um, we might be yeah. we we might be the only uh, person in the room that looks like us. We might be the only woman in the room. We might be the only um, town person in the room. That was often the case for me. Um, and I think that contributes a lot to imposter syndrome is there's no one else that looks like me in the room, right? And I think yeah. um, that in a way became my uh, motivation is I know that I'm currently the only person that looks like me in the room at the time, but I want to change that. And I want to make it a safe space for future kids, future Tamil kids, to know that you know they don't need to feel isolated or they don't need to feel that it's something that they can't get into like i don't want that nervous like the nervousness that anxiety to exist you know and i think that there is um a bunch of amazing tamil professionals like you like that are that are doing great things and i think that we're all contributing to that is like making um the future generation of um, tamil uh, kids um both 
boys and girls feeling welcomed and, and feeling like they have a space and that they can take up space and that they can do so and succeed in their lives. Yeah, I think there's something about like, you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyways. And it reminds me of a quote I read, which is um, once you become fearless, your life really becomes limitless. And um, it's an amazing quote. And um, it kind of, you know, reminds me of you, like you've done a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's just about powering through the fear and kind of doing it anyways, because if it doesn't challenge you, it's really not going to change you. Um, so yeah, I want to actually kind of transition into kind of your entrepreneurial life and the business aspect. So you're the CEO and founder of clean tech company Dispersa. Um, can you kind of tell the audience what exactly Dispersa does and how you kind of created the company? Yeah, absolutely. So Dispersa sprouted from that science for project, right? And it didn't happen in a linear fashion at all. So for, and that's another important point that I want to stress is like everyone has their own pathways and, and different ways of getting to point B or C or, or D. But uh, for, for me, how, how my journey was, was I, after doing that science fair, coming back from, from China, continuing that research, and I had an idea to start a company and that was maybe around age 19, 20. Um, and I thought, like, how cool would it be if we actually formalize this into a, into a company? Obviously, I had no clue as to how to do that. Um, none of my parents were particularly um, um, experienced in that field either. And so, and obviously, it takes a lot of resources. We need funding. We need um, equipment. We need a lab. There's so many things in order to formalize that into an actual company. And so it was, it was always like an idea at the back of my head, but I knew that I wanted to do it. And I was starting to plan how the company would be. I didn't have like a company name or anything in mind at that time. Uh, but then uh, that was when I was diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so um, that put a halt to all of those activities. And I think that that was, um, a really hard moment in my life where I just I was so excited to get this up and running and then hitting that roadblock and then not only putting that aside but not knowing if you know I'm going to be alive in a few weeks or months and my focus became my health and that's really what um, took over the time after I was diagnosed with cancer so I went through um, intensive chemotherapy and then later in that year as well um, unfortunately my mom passed away and so all of that culminating in the year um, really provided me with a lot of perspective that you know what life is short if there's something that you want to do right now this is your chance this is the one life that you get and that's really what I took out of that experience. And I made a promise to myself that, you know, you wanted to start a company before you got cancer, you're going to start it. And so that's really what I took with me after I went um, back to school, back to my Isaiah McGill. And so I went back to school after I was done my treatment and um, I got 
this um, opportunity in the form of the Women in Clean Tech Challenge that was presented to me. And um, it was funny enough, my dad, <laughs> who actually shared this with me. So I was just in my room working on my homework and my dad comes in and he says, hey, Nevada, there's this newsletter that I got. Um, there's something called the Women in Clean Tech Challenge. I'm not sure about it, but I know you've always wanted to start a company and it seems like it's supported by the federal government. Maybe take a look. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look. I didn't really think about it at first. I was just like so focused on like exams and getting things done for school. But I took a look at it and I thought, you know, this actually seems super cool. Like the, the whole premise of the Women in Clean Tech Challenge is to support the selected um, finalists over a two-year period by providing them with funding, business support, lab access, basically everything they need to transform their idea in sustainability to a profitable business. And I thought that really spoke to me. That's exactly what I want to do. And that's exactly what I was lacking. So I'm not going to lose anything by submitting an application. So I submitted the application and then I was selected for the subsequent rounds. And um, we had a live pitch at the Mars Discovery District um, incubator in Toronto. And uh, that was the first business pitch that I did. Um, uh, obviously, up, up until then, I was always science for pitches, which I've come to learn are very different <laughs> from business pitches. So uh, <laughs> no, it's... Um, I was there more like talking about science and, and how science is cool, but it was a really nice experience. And at the end of it, um, I was selected as one of the six finalists for the program, which quite frankly um, culminated into everything that I was working on before that, right? And this, I was like, wow, okay, this is the moment to make that promise to myself come true. And I'm gonna make the, that company come to life and that that is what Dispersa is today. Yeah, so um, I saw that you got selected as one of the top six finalists and um, I believe it was a 30 month kind of accelerator program, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was supposed to be two years and then extended with the pandemic. And I mean, they even throughout the pandemic right. continue to support us. So they extended the program. Okay. So in that kind of accelerator program, um, you had funding from the government, you had support from the Mars kind of incubator um, and their mentorship. And I believe that you were competing for a $1 million prize, right? For your company? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, that seems like really intense and higher. And I honestly can't even imagine how that feels like, but kind of seems like a dream come true too. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that experience and what uh, what your journey was like within the, the 30 month or I know it was extended, but that period of time in that competing period? Absolutely. I mean, I was just over the moon really because I was just, I was more focused on the fact that I get to create a company and it's financially supported than the competition. I know it's a competition, but as time went, all of the uh, women in clean tech, we were, were six, we formed a really close bond. I mean, we created a WhatsApp group. We kept in touch with each other because a lot of the challenges that we were facing were so similar. Um, and so we were able to help each other. 
So as time went, it didn't really seem like a competition. It's just felt like a cohort and a group and that we were there for each other and that Mars and the federal government were generously supporting us in building out our companies. So a few lessons from that for me were um, really focused on business development, learning more business acumen, um, also understanding um, how to uh, create and, and fund um, a company. And so there, there were a lot of steps involved um, from beginning until end. So looking at it from a technology point of view, um, there are items called you know, value proposition, your product market fit. Does anyone want your technology? Is it needed in the market? Are there customers? Who are the customer groups? And then how are you gonna pitch that to investors? What does the legal structure of your company look like? How are you going to finance it through private and public funds? And then also supporting us in creating a solid network within the Canadian and uh, US uh, clean tech ecosystem as well to help us have those conversations as we grow our, our company. And so um, even though we were in this competition, a really long <laughs> period of competition, um, there were a lot of support that was provided in that time. And for me, the real prize was, was that, you know, the $1 million would have been the cherry on the top, but the, the real prize is that experience. And uh, each year that they, um, that we continued on in the uh, incubator program, there were a generous amount of funds still being pulled into our company. So not only through Mars, but over the last um, years of running Dispersa, um, I've also um, secured with my team uh, generous support from provincial and other federal entities as well. And so uh, to date, we've already uh, been funded over $1.5 million. And right now we're in wow. our investment round of $2 million. And so we're on track to securing that next tranche of funding. That's incredible. You, you, you surprised me over and over again, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, you, you've mentioned like the progress of your company. Where do you kind of see Dispersa going in the next five years? Yeah, that's a, that's a heavy question. I see a lot of things. I, we have, you know, our five-year roadmap. We want to grow big. We want to grow fast. We want our ingredients to be available to end users in as many industries as possible. Right now, we're focusing on consumer goods. So right now, what we're focusing on is within that, developing partnerships with end users who make products that we use each day. For example, right now, we're working with the two clients in the cleaning product sector. So what's really neat is the ingredients that our microbes produce are currently going to be integrated into real life products. And um, those are going to be available on the market. And so we're going to be working with similar customers and that's where our fundraising is going towards right now is um, investing and financing in our scale-up so that we can produce more materials because there's a lot of demand that we're having right now. A lot of clients that 
see that having sustainable ingredients is even more important right now as consumers are becoming more aware and demanding more transparency in the products that they use. So um, we do have uh, big uh, brand names as well that we likely use on a daily basis as well that we look forward to partnering. And so uh, what we um, look forward to over the five years is especially that is seeing our ingredients and products and for people to pick that up from a grocery store and say, well, you know, this product contains dispersed as biosurfactants and we know that it's more sustainable than it was before. And that's really the job done for us. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, sorry, I'm just looking at the time here. And honestly, time just flew by just talking to you. And I, I realized we're actually almost out of time. So I'm gonna have to fast forward to some of the uh, concluding questions. Um, but I just wanted to kind of ask you, like you've you've had a lot of life experience um, and you've overcome many, many challenges. So can you tell us about kind of some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Just kind of looking back, thinking about the obstacles you overcame and how much you've um, accomplished to date. I definitely have more uh, more uh, learnings ahead of me, and and I'm definitely not uh, someone who who, who knows uh, all of it. Um, but I can share a bit from my personal experiences and and what I've learned and what what has helped me. Um, I think um, first and foremost is uh, being relentless. If there is something that you really want in life. Uh, realizing that this is literally your only chance to to do that and to make it happen and sticking to it. Um, If you don't feel that it's something that you can stick to in the long term, it's likely not your passion. So definitely go out and find what it is that you're passionate about. Um, And I think in, in line with that is also um, in ensuring that you have that um, determination to uh, deal with those no's. Uh, it is hard. Um, I, I would say the percentage of no's outweighs the yeses, and that's just a natural evolution of things. But what's great, and I think um, what I've come to realize as well, is that the the more no's I get, I know that there's a yes that's coming soon. You know, And so I think just focusing yeah just focusing energy on that um, positive side of things. Um, it is hard not to say some days will be harder than others, but having that um, positivity and determination to still get up and say, you know what, um, today was a really, really bad day. I did not go as planned, but tomorrow I'm going to try to make it work. And and really just en- envisioning what it is that you want your life to be and keep working at it. And what kind of kept you going through the times where, you know, like you were going through a day and you're like, yeah, this is what I planned. Things are not kind of going as I expected. I'm not feeling too great about that. Like, how did you kind of uh, get through that when you're not feeling as motivated? Yeah, I mean, for sure, there have been many days like that. <laughs> it's it's definitely not all rainbows and sunshines. And there is a lot of uh, days, especially as an entrepreneur, uh, when you're faced with um, difficult decisions, and uh, also uncertainty. Um, 
I, I think for me, the, 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 the biggest life lesson was through my experience with cancer. I think I always revert back to that. And I think, well, yeah. that was a period of uncertainty that I had. Um, I didn't know if I would make it out alive or not. Um, and I did, um, I, I was lucky enough to, to make it through that, that experience. But any day that I have that is filled with uncertainty or a, a bad day, quote unquote, is uncomparable to, you know, that period in my life. And so I think putting things into perspective, not only to yourself, but just in the general scheme of things and saying that, you know, there is a lot of things going on around the world right now. Is this really as bad as it seems? Or could I turn it around? And could I turn it around and make it work in my favor? And I think that's really the type of mindset that I started adopting. And um, there, there's always a, a way to make um, something better out of something that was worse. And it's just a matter of mindset. Um, obviously, better. it's easier said than done, for sure. Uh, but it's something that comes with um, comes with years, comes with um, going through that experience and, and really just working at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, what going through cancer must have been like, but um, seems like a really kind of life-changing experience. And it seems like you've gotten a lot of good perspective from it. And I like what you said about, you know, is this really as bad as it seems? Because sometimes we can these problems so big in our heads right so it's exactly. it's really good perspective yeah you know, it's um, exactly like that I mean I think it's um we're often our worst critics and um we might be hard on ourselves right and so when something doesn't work out we're quick to say oh my god like why didn't why didn't it work um it's it's terrible and we start feeling um worse about the situation but I think if we kind of just um step aside and kind of like if I can say um, remove ourselves from that and then take a look at things objectively uh, it helps to have a clear mind space into okay what am I going to be doing next so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is um, time spent worrying or the time spent basically mulling out this uh, bad day is better spent instead jumping back if they have the energy into doing something that is more productive and will help um, you know what what it is that you're working towards yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing that um, as a final question for what advice would you give to the Tamil community, STEM students, or really anybody else that is interested in following your footsteps? For sure. Well, like I uh, said earlier as well, um, I think that all of us have uh, different journeys. So I, I really hope that um, the future generation and uh, everyone really just find their own way of doing things. Um, for me, this was my journey and my journey may be completely different from someone else's and it doesn't make it any um, more or less uh, um, appealing, um, so to speak. I think it's that, you know, really focusing on, on what 
what what it is that your passion is working towards and um like we we mentioned earlier imposter syndrome is something that is real but surrounding yourself with the support system and if you don't have a support system that is readily accessible creating a network um, i can't stress the importance of networking um, even earlier on um, don't feel that you're too young to start networking and don't feel shy. Um, it's it's natural to feel shy. It's natural to feel, you know, maybe I should wait until I'm a PhD to start networking. But honestly, that that is not necessary. Start making connections. Start meeting people who align with what you want and they will be your support system and they will help you get there. So I think... Um, if I were to share any piece of advice is uh, surrounding yourselves with the, with the solid network, getting to know people and also working relentlessly and, and most importantly, uh, believing in yourself and, and knowing that it is that you can do it. And also uh, knowing that you can reach out to um, other uh, Tamil um, men and women in your community for example you know if, if anyone uh, listening to this right now wants to reach out to me I'm more than happy to have a chat with you and um, you know to, to connect with connect you with someone that I may know and similarly um, if they wanted to connect with anyone else in the community is is knowing that that we are there to help the future generation and and that is part of our responsibility right as as the um as the current i i wouldn't say older generation but you know what i mean <laughs> so uh, we're 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 it's a slippery we're, slope <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like what's the right word but, um, the, the, the 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 generation right now i mean like we're and even our parents we're, we're all there is, is all i'm trying to say is that we have a a solid community of um uh, Tamil professionals as well, um, upcoming and current as well, that are there to help the future uh, generations. And I think that it's definitely our uh, responsibility as well to make sure that uh, future Tamil children have that uh, confidence as well as the um, encouragement that they need to form those ties and to know that they can succeed in anything that they want to succeed in. That's very well said. Um, so if anyone does want to get in contact with you, where can they reach you at? Definitely. Um, they can um, check out uh, LinkedIn if they want to send me a message through there, or they can reach out to me through email as well. I'm not sure if I, I know this is being recorded, but I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, cut at certain places or not, but I can share my email too. Um, if that if that's easier for uh, people for to get in touch with me too yeah I mean if you'd like to I absolutely it, it's uh, it's up to you. I, I'd be happy to share my uh, share my email as well so uh, in any any way that would be easiest for um, them to get in touch with me I, I realize that not everyone has LinkedIn especially maybe not all Tamil kids may have that as well, or uh, kids in general. So uh, if they want to uh, reach out by email, that's uh, more than happy to connect with them. 
Okay, perfect. Maybe I can make a post later on and just kind of share your contact information. Yeah, and, exactly. um, that way people can reach out to you. Okay, okay, wonderful. Well, um, thank you so much, Naveda. I can't speak um, to like how much I'm honestly in awe of your story. You you inspire me so much, and I'm sure you're inspiring everyone who's listening. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Tamil Innovator Spotlight. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. No, it's very sweet of you, but um, I'm, I'm always here. And if anyone wants to reach out and has a question or wants to learn more about Dispersa or creating their own company, I'm happy to chat. But thank you for having me today. Yeah, it was it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll let you go. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye.